So yeah, welcome to another episode of Barnes University Radio. Um, doing a live series where I'm going to be actually outside on a field, um, just going over some things that I think that four players on the Tennessee Titans, um, just going over some things that I think that they can improve on. Um, those players will be Marcus Mariota, Jack Conklin, Corey Davis, and Adore Jackson. And just briefly, each of those four players have a learning curve to get over for this 2019 season so that they can reach a new pinnacle of prowess, of success, and their success means team success. Um, Starting off with Marcus Mariota, from a technique standpoint, that's where half of his problems lie, where it's delivering the football on time at tough angles. Um, I'm not going to question his ability to read defenses. I'm not going to go into that depth, but I'm just saying from a technical standpoint of delivering the football, whether it be, you know, uh, the base of his throws, whether it be his footwork, whether it be where his shoulders are at or around the delivery of the football. I believe that he needs to work on, on, on his footwork, having active feet. You know, one of the things that, you know, I learned just from a, being a football Um, I guess you can say connoisseur, whatever you want to call it, was I learned certain attributes from each quarterback as if I was playing the game of quarterback and in the NFL. I learned quick feet from Peyton Manning. You wouldn't think of a a pretty much pocket quarterback having great feet, but Peyton Manning's feet was always active. And what that does is it creates a tempo. It creates a consistency of how you throw the football. Um, And you don't ever want to be just throwing football flat-footed or, you know, without active feet. And Peyton Manning has taught me that. And it keeps pace up. It it keeps, you know, uh, uh, a routine down. That's what is important, pace. Um, And even to some degree, a sense of urgency. It's an internal clock that is used when you have that footwork incorporated in your game. And with Marcus Mariota, and a lot of times he's slew-footed, a lot of times he's slow, he has slow feet. And when it's live action and those guys are moving around you, you got to have, you know, active feet. That's something that I learned from Peyton Manning and it's something that Marcus Mariota uh, can certainly learn on his own. Um, another thing is on certain throws that require torque. And what, I, what do I mean by torque? That means uh, basically twisting your torso and making drive throws, you know. Um, that's not to question his arm strength, but certain throws need a certain amount of torque, footwork, shoulder pointing, and uh, a lot of times that doesn't happen with him. Um, one example of that is versus Jacksonville last year, rolling to his left. Um, he had a throw that he could have completed. It's it's a drive throw. It's a it's a throw that has to be pinpoint. He was rolling to his left. Yes, that is a very difficult throw to make, but there are certain mechanics that I won't say that it comes naturally to a quarterback. You have to be taught this, but it's a, it's a throw to where when you're rolling to your left, yeah, you're going to throw it off of your left foot. You're going to torque your body, have that left foot, have that left foot on the ground, left shoulder crossing face, right shoulder pointing towards your target hard. And the thing that he didn't do on that throw was he had the left foot planted, his left shoulder partially crossed his face, 
but that right shoulder never pointed towards the target. I think it was John John U. Smith on that play. And he never really drove that throw to his receiver. He kind of floated it. It was intercepted. Those are the type of minor things that can be the difference in the game and really can start separating Marcus Mariota, um, you know, from the pack, from the middle tier of quarterbacks. Um, Another thing is, and this is more psychological, is I know that Marcus Mariota has had five different or four and a half, whatever you want to call it, you know, different offensive coordinators. I understand that. And I understand that it's hard to continue to learn new terminology, have different voices in your head telling you this and telling you that. So the actually taking over an offense can be difficult. I get that. But even from a psychological standpoint in a standpoint in a personality standpoint, Marcus Mariota isn't necessarily like a, you know, he isn't necessarily like a, a takeover type of dude. He's going to do what he's told. He's going to be a great teammate. But in certain instances that stick out in my mind, especially is the two-point conversion versus the Chargers in London. You know, the play call was very simple. Slants, a slant, uh, a slant to flat to middle of the field read um, on a two-point conversion to win the game. And, you know, a lot of people can have the, the criticism or the counter that it's easier said than done. But as a quarterback, you got to have contingency plans in your brain, especially when you have the skill set and talent of a Marcus Mariota. Now, you've been playing with Taewon Taylor for, you know, at that point, two years. Um, you know, he's not a big receiver. It's the back of the end zone. He had some drops earlier in the game. I understand trusting your guy. I understand, you know, the redemption process of that. And he's not thinking about that. He's just trying to execute the play. That's part of the problem at times. If I'm on the last play of the game and I'm the quarterback, I'm understanding if that slant isn't all the way open and I'm only, what, two yards away from the end zone, then I'm running it. I'm sorry. I'm doing my one, two, three, looking to my left. If Taewon Taylor is slightly covered, he's not a big body receiver in the red zone. I'm pump faking that thing. And I'm running to the right and I'm betting on my legs. I'm betting on my mobility. I'm betting on my God-given talent to get to the right side corner of the end zone. You know, and it was open. You know, hindsight is 20-20, but I don't operate in that world. You know, it's not hindsight 20-20 when you know the the process needed to go through certain situations like that. And that's psychological. That's a go-getter's mentality. That's a... You know, I'm not losing this game mentality. And that is not a knock against who he is and what he I believe he does want to win games. But he also doesn't have the autonomy or have the CEO mentality at at the quarterback position. You know, you got to have a CEO take control mindset in any offense, even if it's your first year. You know what I mean? You got to know that I'm the guy and it's not from a, uh, um, a conceited or or uh, arrogant standpoint is like, you know, if this ship is going to go to the Super Bowl or, or if this ship is going to be one game short of a, of a playoff berth, it's going to be because, you know, I have some control over it and not some random, you know, probability. So that's just two things that I'm going to, you know, uh, talk about live on the field, going through some drills so you guys can see it in action. 
And then the next guy is Corey Davis. And with Corey Davis, it's pretty simple. You know, it, it, once again, he's probably the the raw receiver version of, of, of what I'm talking about with Marcus, Mar- Marcus Mariota psychologically. I think physically, you know, I don't think you can ask more of Corey Davis. I mean, he's fast. He runs great routes. He's a, he's an effort blocker. Um, I mean, physically, I don't know what, what you he doesn't have a drop problem as of date. You know, so it's more psychological with me. And there's one play that I like to to really pinpoint for Corey Davis. And that play is the play where he just stiff armed Kareem Jackson to oblivion, you know, versus the Texans at home that first game um, um, in Tennessee, in Nashville. And he just stiff armed him. And after the play, you know, Terran Matthew tried to get in his face and, you know, he he barked back. He got to have that. If he has that attitude every single game, every single play, this Tennessee Titans team, I don't. I, the the ceiling of where they can go is, you know, the the there's no ceiling. <laughs> there's no ceiling where they could go if he plays with that mentality every single snap, every single game. We need a mean, nasty guy. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of propaganda. There's a lot of promotion about. Uh, uh, being good to great and wanting wolves, but I'm not the type that likes to create slogans. I'm the type that likes to go and do it and be it. Don't don't say you're a wolf. Be a wolf. You know what I mean? So if he can play like a beast every snap, encapsulate, you know, catch lightning in a bottle of that stiff arm on Kareem Jackson, then I believe that this will change the whole identity of this receiving offense so that's really the mentality that with Corey davis like just be mean you know be mean meaner be nastier in your roots in your you know in your routes um um after the catch protecting the football finishing your runs after the catch just be nasty you know all while protecting yourself but it's a mentality thing that needs to shift for the Titans, and for a while, the Titans had the, you know, the label of always choosing choir boys and not the guy, blah, blah, blah. We draft one questionable character to, to the outside world, and now all of a sudden people are saying, oh, J-Rob doesn't care about, you know, getting choir boys or not. Well, that one guy isn't going to do it, and, and it's not to say Marcus Mariota or Corey Davis. They're good, great guys, but the game of football is violent, and all too often – the personality traits needed to take you to the next level is what people call the it factor, what people call the, the, you know, the X factor of you because you have a a deeper motivation. It's like tapping into higher, a higher power into a higher intellect. And, you know, and that's for another podcast. But really, you know, when you have a certain edge to yourself, you know, which I like edgy guys, I like edgy players, I like edgy people. You know, I gravitate towards them because those are the people that they're going to do what they're told, but then they're going to add their identity to it and more. Um, and then the third guy was uh, Jack Conklin. Uh, Jack Conklin is a is was a guy that, you know, 2016 draft first round that I was, I was in for as well, you know, which is different than the previous two people that we talked about. Um, you know, I cannot deny saying that. You know, with Marcus Mariota, not necessarily a knock against him, but had other plans. That 2015 draft had a, had 
other plans to build a better defense and then really, you know, bet on finding a veteran a la Phillip Rivers. He was up for trade a la other things. We're not trying to get into personnel things. Corey Davis, the first number five pick, and then, you know, even a Dory Jackson, who we're going to talk about. I was more of a Christian McCaffrey, Tredavious White type of guy. But that's just the minor, you know, that's just a minor part of what I'm trying to get to. You know, um, and, you know, shout out to Christian McCaffrey, who's number 42, top 100 players. And, you know, he's had more catches than most receiving receivers in that draft. But anyway, I digress. Jack Conklin, neither here nor there, but actually here. Jack Conklin is a player that in 2016 I did like as well. So we were in congruence on that selection. I just thought that he was a here was my exact words on Jack Conklin. I think that he was a reincarnation of a Titans great David Stewart at right tackle. Just a nasty guy that I thought that had a shelf life of a few years at right tackle before he eventually moved inside. Um, And that was because of I know as you get older, your movement skills at that tackle position deteriorate. And after Jack Conklin had an ACL injury. That expedited that process for me in my brain. So as soon as that ACL injury happened for me as a talent evaluator scouting him out of Michigan State, I knew that his next move should be to move inside. Um, A lot of people say things happen fast, fast or faster on the inside. I'm not questioning his footwork. Um, What I I'm not necessarily. Well, actually, I'm not questioning his ability to process information. So the, the, the fact that things happen faster on the inside doesn't really have anything to do. What I am questioning is his ability to anchor, his confidence to, to get into pass sets. And as the edge of your, deep, uh, edge of your you know, offensive line, you want a guy that has confidence, has, that has that anchor ability. And I think you know, he's a nasty offensive lineman in general. And you know, him dishing out you know, that aggression on the inside would benefit him. So in the when we get to the video on the outside work, it's probably going to be more so about, you know, how can he get in pass sets faster at the right tackle position? You know, because that's where the Titans want to keep him, even though I'd consider moving him on the inside. You know, how can he, can he get his pass sets? How can he get in his pass sets quicker? A lot of common sense approaches to bettering yourself as a tackle. Bettering yourself uh, from a conditioning standpoint to re- regain that, you know, core strength and lower body strength and confidence in your lower body and confidence in your technique. And then lastly, Odori Jackson. We're going to do something on Odori Jackson. And on Odori Jackson, a lot of things, you know, scouted him out of USC, loved his uh, playmaking ability with the football in his hands. And, um, you know, what I saw was an athlete playing cornerback with the potential to be a cornerback. So right now, to me, he's an athlete trying to play cornerback. And some of the things that we're going to talk about on the field is, you know, yes, you can run fast. Yes, you can jump with the best of them. But can you recognize route? Do you have great route recognition skills? Are you tough? Are you physical? Are you a, a, a wrap up tackler? Do you have great form? Are you nasty? Are you pest? You know, are you a pest out there on the field? Do you have great press skills? Um, do you know how to play the football 
um, with your back turned. You know, I know that's kind of an oxymoron. How can you look at the football, play the football with your back turned? There's a technique to that. You know, I played the position, you know, positions that I've played for those that love to say, if you haven't played it, you can't talk about it or whatever. I've played cornerback. I played wide receiver. Um, you know, I was a scout team quarterback in some practices. So, you know, and that's not just as an accolade, but, you know, I study the game and, you know, being a former cornerback that, yes, I was a late bloomer as well. So some of these things that I had to learn through film, film study, do you study your, 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 uh, your opponent? Do you know certain details in his game? Do you know his handedness? Do you know how he liked his his pace of the game. You study receivers. You learn the pace of the game. How they like to get into routes. How they use their head fakes. You know, are they a leaper, leap jumper? Do they catch with their body? Do they use their hands effectively? All those things you do through tape study. And, you know, that's the next level for Dory Jackson. Becoming a professional National Football League cornerback versus just being an athlete trying to play a position. You know, and other things like punt return, you know, we're not necessarily going to talk about that on the field, but here's a perfect opportunity to. Adore Jackson in college, what I saw was great, great, um, great athleticism, um, great speed. A lot of his punt returns in college were basically greatly blocked. Um, He wasn't a Devin Hester type of punt returner. And that's something I've learned from the scouting process is when you're looking for a punt returner and in college, did they create lanes like Devin Hester did? A lot of times it was pure speed. Yes, that's important as well. And it's not really that important because you don't have to have blazing speed to be a blazing speed to be a great punt returner. But one thing that you do have to have is the ability to see holes and hit the holes and trust yourself. And the ability to create things when it's not blocked perfectly. Now, in college, did we really see that Adoree Jackson? It was greatly blocked. It was greatly schemed. And he just outran everybody. Now, obviously, we, we're, we're looking at the training camp and we don't see, um, you know, we don't see him at the punt returner's position. I think they've taken that away from him. Which it's unfortunate because that's one of the main things that I, what I liked about him coming out of college was football in his hands. So even, you know, offensively, if you can get him in there and the malarkey regime did that to some capacity and it was successful. But it's, it's just a real a really weird quandary that these players are in. And 75 percent of the reason why they're in the quandary is because of the reason J-Rob drafted him. Being a good guy's high character, you know, going to do what is said, you know, what is told to them and the consummate teammate. And don't get me wrong when I say this. That is extremely important. It helps with a lot of things on your team, helps with the community and a lot of things. But at the at the end of the day, my guy, Tredavious White, the same type of personality, um, the same skill set to some degree. I don't think in college Sir Davis White was as good as a punt returner, but he is a punt returner and he's been a top top eight cornerback in this league. He was a top five cornerback as a rookie. And really, I'm being modest when I say top five. He was easily probably top one or two in terms of grading and things like that. 
And, and the reason why I chose Tredavis White over Adoree Jackson that year was because he was a pure corner. He was a pure cover corner with returnability. Why did I choose Christian McCaffrey over Corey Davis? Because there was certainty to me that Christian McCaffrey could be a utility type of back, whereas he's had more catches than Corey Davis as a running back. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like it's it's a pairing of character and it's a pairing of consistency. Who are these people as players? Who are these you know, who are they consistently? We know that both of these players that the Titans drafted in the 2017 first round were to me projects to some degree. I feel like Christian McCaffrey knew his niche. He knew what he was. And we would have been reaping the benefits of that. I knew who Tredavis White was. He knew he who he was. And he's reaping the benefits of that. Now, you have two players who's trying to find themselves in year, what, one, two, three. You know, so... You know, that's just what it is. And that, that's what I'm going to do on the field very organically. Just go through some things that I think that they need to improve on so that they can reach certain heights in their career and take it to the next level for this Tennessee Titans squad in 2019. Thanks for tuning in. Don't know where I'm going to name it. Probably will name it at the end of this podcast. But, yeah, it's just something that I think that this team needs, these players need, and hopefully it helps. Tighten up. It's a Bond University thing. God bless.